0: Hey guys, welcome to the Good Muscle Hustle podcast. Today we have Devia Flukiger. Hopefully I didn't brutalize that. Sorry, Devia. She is a registered nurse and an online fitness coach. She works with um, specifically women and does a lot of holistic nutrition and wellness coaching online and in person. Um, We really wanted to bring her on and get her perception or her Kind of process of helping um, women with, you know, uh, resetting um, their metabolism, getting their hormones in check, and helping them with mindset. Um, specifically with women and the whole weight loss thing. I know there's a lot of information out there, there's a lot of stuff that is very overwhelming, and specifically for women, it's more of a challenge, I find, to get. Um, You know, the goal, the outcome of weight loss in general, there's a lot of variables involved Um, and it was great to have Deb on and get her kind of process, how she helps people, her, you know, opinions and her perceptions of things and it was a great conversation and uh, I hope you guys enjoy.
1: Perfect. Yes, I can hear you fine. You're good. Can you hear me? All right. Yes. (laughs)
0: yes All right, we'll okay let's we'll start this over yeah okay we're take ready? two take two All right. yep i'm ready welcome to the good muscle hustle podcast we have recording. a special oh, guest
2: record, yeah. record we're recording
0: yeah we're recording okay <laughs> we have a special guest dev can you please introduce yourself and kind of give us a little background for our listeners today
1: sure thing thank you guys for having me on uh my name is Flukiger. I am a registered nurse and a holistic nutrition, wellness, and fitness coach online. Um, I've been working, I worked as a nurse for uh, almost four years now and been a coach for a couple of years now. Um, Essentially just got into coaching after taking care of a lot of very, very unhealthy people in the internal medicine area of Western medicine and felt like a lot of the issues I came across in the hospital can be very much prevented just with Holistic lifestyle interventions, which got mm-hmm. me really into it. Long story short, so here we are.
0: <laughs> awesome,
2: yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I I wholeheartedly agree with you know some of the like most of the stuff that you see, especially like on the nursing side of it. My, my, most of my entire family is in the healthcare industry, whether it's LPN, RN, whether it's geriatrics, working anywhere and everywhere in the hospital. You know what I mean? I've had the conversations with my mom about you know if people can just understand how to properly nutrition and understand what their daily habits are and kind of conform to a better, healthier lifestyle, a lot of the stuff goes away.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. Cause like, it seems so simple, right? That there's simple things you need to do every day to take care of your body. And I feel like people think that, that it's supposed to be some crazy, crazy commoditized magic solution to their problems. Mm. And then when uh, clients come to me and I'm like, you know, Eat more whole foods. Eat more protein. Eat fiber, and get your ass outside in the sun. They're like, really? That's it? I'm
2: like, yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, where where exactly are you located at?
1: Uh, I'm in Calgary, Alberta, Canada.
2: Okay, Alberta, Canada. That's right. Where
1: Canada. are you guys?
2: Uh, we're at Kansas, middle of nowhere, Kansas. Kansas. Yeah.
1: Holy shit. Okay. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah our uh, our population demographic is just shy of thirty thousand people. So, oh
1: tiny okay mm-hmm. that's cool yeah. I had no idea
2: oh yeah
1: you've been like uh, you've been there long like is that where you're born
2: uh we're both born here born yeah. and raised here and then uh I shipped out marines for nine years and then came back after my nine year stint just my entire family's here so I missed a lot being out there nine years and then coming back so I wanted to plant my seed here again and then stay here with family so,
1: oh shit well thank you for your service man
2: yeah
1: that's amazing let's go
0: and I know you're most of your family's here, right? Yeah, I'm basically born and raised here in Emporia.
1: Okay, awesome. And then how long have you been in the industry yourself?
0: I've been in the industry coming on seven years now.
1: Okay, you look so young. You literally look like a 19. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll take oh, it. I, I can't fucking tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah,
0: I get it all the time. Um, I'm 29. I started whatever, seven years minus that 22 yeah yeah 22. still early math is hard
1: <laughs> well good on you man that's amazing yeah i know you look yeah. you look like five years younger than me well, i <laughs> would not have guessed <laughs> yeah. whatever so you're, you're
2: doing it's working you're five years i'll you know. be no i'll be 38 here in august so i'm not that young
1: uh you're 38
2: i'll be 38 okay. here in okay. august yeah
1: oh shit yeah and no, I'm, I'm the i'm the youngest one here i'm 26
2: 26. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) uh, So uh, let's, uh, I kind of want to dig into like the psychology behind nutrition, especially when it comes to like the female demographic, that population, especially, you know, I know just from my experience, and I know from talking with Alex and stuff, they are the hard, the hardest demographic to get on board with properly nutritioning and understanding that, you have to eat to lose weight. You have to eat to make progress. You have to eat to perform. And their biggest issue, especially for me, is you know, you get the 35 to 45 year old female who says, I want to weigh the same as I did in high school. Or I want to look the same as I did in high school. And that's, I mean, it's a rinse-repeat process every single one that comes through the door. And I can see you're 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 shaking your head. You probably come across that a lot on your end too. So kind of give us a a kind of a dirty detailed breakdown as far as you know how how do you go about your process how do you do your intake and kind of you know how do you get them to come around and jump on the wagon on your end
1: yeah it's there's a few pieces I want to touch on there so uh to start it's it's hard when we live in the past it's like mm-hmm. you're not 18 years old anymore your body is not the same. Your hormones are not the same. 35 to 40, that's around perimenopausal stage, right? That's when your body's transitioning from being fertile to not fertile anymore, right? Mm -hmm. That's when your estrogen starts to go down, sorry, your your estradiol, your E2 starts to go down, then your E1 starts to take over, which is much weaker, right? Mm -hmm. And then it actually affects your ability to regulate your cortisol. It affects your ability to regulate your blood sugar the same. And like your ability, like your the need to manage your stress is that much more important. Yeah. And for a lot of these women, they've been under-eating for so long, which is a form of stress to the body. Right. So when they've been doing it for so fucking long, their body's holding on to body fat like a security blanket because they're trying to store nutrients in any form and any which way they can, right? So when they've been under eating for that long and whatnot, they, they come to you being like, Oh, I need to lose weight. And they've been told by society and magazines and shit, you know, you need to just eat less and lose weight. And It's like, okay, well, only for so long because your body is smarter than you, your body's main priority is to survive. So in my initial like intake process, um, I essentially, you know, I, I need to get a recall of you know what they've been eating for how long they've been eating that way and then I don't just look at what they've been eating as well I I also look at okay what is your lifestyle been looking like what are your stress what's your stress management like Mm -hmm. you know I because I look at all factors all factors of people's lives all factors of um their lifestyle regime as as balancing a bank account is how is my analogy so for example you know working out extra hard eating uh lower calories not getting much sleep you know being a workaholic that kind of thing those are all withdrawals on your bank account Mm
2: -hmm. versus
1: when you actually eat more when you actually get adequate sleep when you take an extra rest day and when you get outside more in the sun those are all deposits on the stress bank account So I outline this and I use this analogy with clients so that they can actually get a better understanding. And I'm like, hey, guess what? You're in debt, buddy. And they're like, oh, shit. So just to give them that uh, that, uh, analogy kind of helps them get a a better picture um, to start. And then like, okay, so we're gonna start with feeding you a bit more and consistently. And my, so I have daily, habits that I have my clients fill out on top of my weekly check-ins and in the daily habits. Um, The purpose of it is start getting them in the habit of getting a feel for how what they do every day, how that affects what their body communicates to them. Mm -hmm. So getting them to track, you know, what they're eating, getting them to track, um, getting comfortable with uh, the scale and weighing themselves and removing the emotion from it. That's a whole other can of worms. Um, But anyway, there's that. And then on top of that, um, measuring out like biofeedback indicators. So on a scale of, you know, one to 10, how is your energy today? How is the digestion feeling today? How was your sleep quality? Um, How's the libido, like all that kind of stuff is a few other like markers, but like getting them more cognizant of how starting to eat more is starting to actually improve those indicators. Mm-hmm. So, for that population you talked about, you know, the older population, the perimenopausal population, I have um, an adorable client. I love her to bits. She's very much fits in this demographic. She came to me under eating. She's starting to have joint pain. Um, and as soon as I got her eating more, she started to have more regular bowel movements. She started to have the joint pain was gone. And she's mm-hmm. like, holy shit. So just getting the clients to focus on what other areas to look for with improvement other than specifically the scale. Yeah, Because there can be minimal scale movement sometimes, but less joint pain, more um, strength, sometimes even decreases in weight circumference, Mm. right? Like this client I'm talking about, she's actually gone down a pant size and all I've done is beat her more. So like, it's not just about eating less and just looking at the scale because then that's going to be a freaking feedback loop from hell of seeing no progress, the definition mm-hmm. of insanity, trying the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result.
2: Yeah. Now, I think the biggest roadblock that we see is, you know, getting them away from the scale, you know, and having them really understand where they're at in their life. I have a 53-year-old 50, lady. Uh, she's pre-menopause, um, fighting thyroid issues right now. And she's complaining about not being able to lose weight you know i was like until all that stuff's completed and you figure out all your other levels you need to balance out your progesterone your estrogen testosterone and make sure everything is well you know what i mean i don't want to i don't want you to focus on scale i want you to focus on let's just get you strong you know i mean let's make that incremental increases every other week or whatever on pressing legs or doing whatever and then kind of attach our emotions to that aspect not just the actual scale so
1: Yeah, like the scale, it's just one piece of data. Um, Mm -hmm. there are so many other pieces to focus on depending on what uh phase a client is in, what the goal is. Um oh, there was a piece that I was gonna comment on. I forgot. Um you were saying sorry, backpedal again. You were saying um
2: yeah, pre pre menopause. So she's fighting like, like the thyroid stuff, yeah.
1: Yeah. So like, essentially, was this client, you know, under eating for a while?
2: Yeah, I mean, she's been under eating since high school, pretty much like I dug into her past and eating habits, no breakfast, a snack and lunch, and then a big dinner. That's it.
1: Oh, oh my God. Okay, there's a couple pieces I want to touch on there. So one, the under eating for so long, right, like your body smart, it's going to slow down its metabolism in order to mm-hmm. preserve energy. So when you've been under eating for so long, <clears throat> like, I, I don't know the specific uh, timeline slash full scientific explanation. All I can say uh-huh. is that when your body's trying to preserve energy, trying to survive, it's going to slow down, right? So that yeah. means there's going to be less release of thyroxin, right? <clears throat> the hormone that's being released by your thyroid. Uh-huh. Um, so that definitely, I can definitely see how long-term that would cause dysfunction. I don't know specifically the timeline that which it would take for it to actually dysfunction um, or lose function, but essentially like getting yourself to eat more right? And consistently so while mm. putting on the muscle is what is, what's going to incline your thyroid to release more thyroxin to actually oh, increase that metabolism. Cause like, it's actually interesting. There are other symptoms that people that go unnoticed or that people overlook when the thyroid is slowing down, like your uh, circulation becomes really shitty. You get really cold all the time as well. Mm-hmm. This can actually affect your blood pressure too. Um, and in terms of you were talking about thyroid and one other thing. What's the it other was thing a, you said?
2: There was a thyroid and you know, just kind of balancing out her estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone balance in her own body. You know what I mean? Trying yeah. to cause she's 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 premenopause, so all that stuff's coming into effect, and then still battling like a thyroid issue on top of going through that process too, is you know, yeah. it's this hard on the it's hard on the female body without Yeah, stresses. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that's parimetal.
2: Perimenopause. premenopause perimenopause,
1: yeah. is be- is before yeah okay, okay yeah, sure. so yeah yeah definitely well in perimenopause that's the most that's the hardest transition to juggle when you go mm-hmm. from pre to peri because that's when there's no homeostasis there's no balance it's really mm-hmm. hard to navigate that nutritionally speaking which is why yeah. like the body's going through enough chaos as it is trying to level itself out with because essentially what happens is e2 estradiol starts to go down right and then it starts to try to compensate. Oh my God, no, no, it needs to go back up. And then it starts to go down again. Oh no, it needs to go back up. Then it starts to go back down again. So mm-hmm. when all those fluctuations are happening, your cortisol levels start to go all out of whack, too. That plus, under eating, eh, we're going to bump up the cortisol levels more. And the thyroid is going to start to slow down to be like, okay. We're already expending so much energy. We're stressed out as fuck. I'm just going to calm down and just not release as much. So it's just all this chaos, all these moving pieces from a hormonal standpoint. So the best thing you can do, nutritionally speaking, is to give your body at least some form of consistency of feeding it more on a regular basis. And then it has something consistent that it can rely on. So I think giving clients that picture to look at helps them
2: yeah tremendously i think it does too i mean you know when i have that conversations with the female clients that say hey I, I need you to eat more i need you to be consistent with that stuff and we're probably going to see a slight uptick on that scale for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden your body's going to go hey i can actually start using more energy and then we should see a nice little decline from there and it's a, it's you know i haven't seen more than six or seven pounds in two weeks increase it's not much but as soon as that body kind of reverses and says hey i can expend more It's a nice, solid decline for a while. And it's just trying to get them over that fucking hump to say, hey, I need you to eat. I don't need you to be attached emotionally to the scale. It's just a data point, reference point for me to say, hey, let's adjust macros here and there after a couple of months and then kind of just balance everything out from there. So, And and there's a lot of females that don't understand their own bodies, too. Like all the stuff that you're saying, they're like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, oh, I didn't know everything has to be well balanced inside my own internals to be able to perform well.
1: Yeah. And like, that's something I, I, I preach about as well that I, that I talk about that. I do in my practice, like mm-hmm. as coaches, it is our job to also be the liaison between a client's mind and their body. Mm-hmm. And essentially you're helping them with the game of telephone and telling them, Hey, this is what your body's trying to communicate to you. And this is how you're responding. It's like being a therapist, you're mediating what their body <laughs> is saying and what it needs and getting clear on, Hey, this what your body's trying to explain that it needs. Mm-hmm. I understand you want this outcome, but your body's trying to tell you, you know what, honey, right now is not the time kind yeah. of thing. That outcome being, you know, usually fat loss, weight loss, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a huge mind clock, uh for the client as well. So now like mindset honestly is 90% of the work of a coach. Oh. If a coach That's does not 100%. know how to communicate, does not know how to address a person's mindset, then they're not going to really, they're not really kind of, they they, yeah. they can't really cut it put the craft in my opinion. Um, I mean, so definitely addressing that is huge.
2: Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't tell you that when you get into the industry either, you know, starting from a brand <laughs> new coach getting in, it's like, holy fuck, I'm doing with psychos sometimes, or you just, people there are a lot of people who are just ignorant to the entire process. So you also have to know how to program. You have to know how to talk with people. And you have to be a salesman too. They don't talk about that either. You know, you got to sell yourself as well to get clients and to have that client retention too. But you hit the word therapist. You know, I think when it's all said and done, when we're 40 years into this thing, we're going to have a a doctorate in our, in therapy, just talking with individuals. You know what I mean? <laughs> you no, exactly. Trust, too, yeah.
1: trust is the biggest piece. So like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'll be honest. I actually, I don't like the term selling myself. Mm-hmm. i don't see it that way okay personally uh the way that i see it, it's just the ability to communicate and connect with people like b- being genuinely yourself so i guess mm-hmm. one could word it as selling yourself i just i don't like the phrase sell personally
2: well, it, I, I don't know For, it kind of it, it kind of sounds like a derogatory phrase right i don't i don't mean yeah. it like that but you know yeah it's it's, you know, just be yourself, you know, you got yeah. to, the, the people aren't buying the program, they're buying you, so to speak. You know what I mean? No,
1: totally. Yeah. They're, they're buying you. They're, they're buying the connection that they have with you because mm-hmm. as, as you guys both said, the trust is the most important piece because without that trust, without that healthy open dialogue, because it is a, a form of relationship, you're forming a coaching client relationship. So without that trust, without that healthy open dialogue, then you're going to eventually at some point hit a roadblock in mm-hmm. the client's progress. And you know, without that trust, without the connection, it's you, you, there's not really much investment in the process on either the coaches or the clients. And in my opinion,
2: yeah, I'll definitely agree with that with that aspect of it for sure. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Um. Yeah. So, like, w- when I have conversations <laughs> now, I I really communicate like the teamwork aspect of coaching and like that's kind of a big indicator for me whether like I'm going to take this client or not because like everything you're saying as far as communication and being able to build trust with with uh, the client like a big thing for me is like look like this is teamwork with you and I which requires lots of communication because I'm not just going to sit here like drill sergeant and like tell you what to do and you mindlessly follow me like you have to learn why you're doing these things in order you know whenever this program or duration of whatever we're doing is done like you know what you're doing and you can continue to you know be healthy and make progress because i think the there's just a huge learning gap with nutrition especially Mm -hmm. um with just everybody like people just you know like we think of it like second nature like what we're doing this is what we do but like people have no idea like about food you know i mean i'm sure you've had conversations with with people where it's like oh like like you were saying like oh i just eat more and get some sunshine and it's that simple like well, kind of, yeah kind of yeah kind, <laughs> kind of but like it's yeah. a
1: start like just like yeah the, the point is they're looking for some magic commoditized solution that they haven't heard before right yeah. and like especially with bullshit products coming out like I don't know if I'm allowed to name names, but like, you know, okay, okay, <laughs> but like bullshit products like Octavia, like, you know, MLM mm-hmm. corporations trying to sell you their product and whatnot. And like, when a client comes to me expecting, okay, just give me a meal plan, I'm like, I can't just give you a meal plan. I need to understand what you're doing right now so that we can actually build some sustainable changes. And like, yeah. I, I like to, I've been constantly every few months updating my check in form to really refine. My ability to really suss out, not just the client's habit, uh, you know, big rock building blocks, but also getting to understand, okay, right now, where are you at mentally? How uh, how invested are you in the process? How open is that channel between the dialogue between your body and your brain? Right? And um, there, were, like, there's actually a couple questions I had, and, and and they're like, one of them was like, you know are the current habits we're doing right now? Does this feel sustainable for you that you could do for the rest of your life? So mm-hmm. that I can actually cater my uh, programming with them accordingly. Because no, it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. So if a client comes to me wanting a one size fits all meal plan, I'm like, you can find that online. You can find that on Google for free. You don't need to pay for me. Right. Because I'm, I'm here to actually guide you through the entire process that works for you for life. This isn't... uh a a quick fix kind of thing this isn't just like a pill solution and like or yeah like like baloney stuff like ozempic like it's really really frustrating and hard to read about not just from a coaching standpoint but also from Mm. a nursing standpoint and it's just it's frustrating when again people are looking for quick solutions. they don't want to think about Mm. it people have become unfortunately people have become very lazy
2: yeah i mean (laughs) to to be quite
1: to be quite blunt
2: laser is a great fucking word and like you you hit the term ozempic it's actually what is this? it's a diabetic medicine right but it actually facilitates with weight loss as well
1: uh it's um, Tight suppressant, especially, is the biggest piece. That's why people are very into it. There's another brand new medication that came out as well that I just heard Mm -hmm. about. I can't think of the name. I'm starting to block these names out of my head because I really don't give two shits Um, because the problem is when you just shut down hunger cues, you're not actually addressing the numerous factors that which can be affecting your hunger cues,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: right? Like hunger and cravings, things that can be affecting is A, eating like shit. Your body's like, okay, you're eating a bunch of empty calories, Okay. And then also there's stuff like um, that can affect your uh, hunger cues and cravings, like a lack of sleep. Studies have actually proven that a lack of sleep can one, reduce um, your impulse control. So it actually affects your prefrontal cortex when you don't have enough sleep. Okay. And two, it can actually affect your taste palate. It literally affects your taste palate. So like it makes you eat shit you don't usually eat. So you're usually turning from the whole food stuff to the junk food, right? Mm-hmm. And then that turns into a, a whole domino effect because you're feeding the unhealthy bacteria in your gut. And another sign of unhealthy gut health is actually having cravings. Mm-hmm. So it's just this whole, I just see a whole fire dumping into another dumpster fire. And it's like, yeah. if you're just taking an appetite suppressant to make you want to eat less, but you're not looking at what are the root causes that which can be, affecting my appetite regulation, then you're just gonna gain it back.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think it's you you hit the nail the nail on the head with that one too is you know address the underlying problem first before jumping on a pill but or it, jumping on a shot or something like that. It's you you're just band aiding the solution. You're not actually overcoming the problem. I mean it's it's but again instant. though, right? That that requires work
1: and time it does. It that does. people and, do not want to put
2: in <laughs> and people are fucking lazy just we'll just go ahead and say that i don't care if i offend anybody to be honest with you but you know people people are going to want that instant gratification they're going to want that instant results you know i mean they want to drop six seven pounds a week it's like no let's you might go two or three months without even dropping a single pound it's yeah you know what it, i mean it, it's, it's Everybody's going to have their own journey process, their own timeline, and just, just the general population doesn't understand that. Especially if they're super ignorant, just it's their first week of working out, they have no, no understanding of anything. It's anything. it's
1: that, and I don't want to just be like people are lazy because they want to be lazy, but mm-hmm. I it's it's essentially. There's a couple prongs that that affects you know people's inclination to actually be patient and put in the work and understand the um, actual concept of delayed gratification. But it's because I I blame marketing. I blame you know modern modern technology, modern advancements in terms of things becoming so accessible and so convenient to people that that's what they assume is what will happen when it comes to our side of things in terms Mm -hmm. of getting them to like get some long term sustainable healthy results. So educating yep. them on that is again, half the job. And, and um, it's just because uh, like when I make a plan and if a client doesn't see the fast, the progress as fast as they want, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, but I'm, I need to see you consistently doing this for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. And then also like when you have these check-ins and clients are expecting macro changes every week, I'm like, not necessarily actually no No. that's not how it works uh the body looks for looks to make patterns it looks to see consistent things happening first before you can make changes because your body needs to have a little bit of time to adapt and acclimate for which it will right and it it, same thing with like when it comes to the clients that have been under eating for a long time right your body's just smart your body's like okay i've I've seen you eat 1500 calories before so no i'm not going to lose any weight no dice sorry Yeah. because again your body's smart and it. it it identifies recognized patterns so you should have to introduce healthier patterns um, and or patterns that needs at that time whatever block that they're in in their in their training or their nutrition
0: no i love that sure. yeah i want to throw something your way and maybe give some context for maybe if this person is listening to this podcast and maybe they can take something from this but if i Let's say, I know there's a lot of variables here. So like just a kind of a general idea, like, let's say you get a lady in late thirties, forties area, she's been under eating for quite some time. And I find that there are very common cases where like this person is also training six to seven days a week, maybe not resistance training every single day, but like 45 minutes of cardio. Doing resistance training under eating, like what is your, like, all right, this is what we're going to begin with. This is how we're going to modify, like, what you're doing right now. And then kind of like give us a little bit of, like, so if someone were listening, they could go, okay, maybe I'll try this and see what happens. Does that make sense?
1: It does make sense. So if, okay, so some women do, okay, I'm going to give two possible scenarios here. Okay uh scenario one let's say this woman is still getting their period they're not yet in perimenopause mm-hmm. if they're still getting it well supposed to be if they're not perimenopausal this person if they've been under eating like crazy um they actually might not even have a regular period great right? mm-hmm. um so i would assist this client in reverse dieting them back to so like gradually increasing their calories until we get to that maintenance calories and what helps me ascertain whether or not they're at maintenance calories is if they are starting to get a regular period back which does come back relatively quickly within a few weeks so we'd be doing that and we'd also reduce the cardio so if they're doing cardio like five times a week i'd be like okay this week we're just doing cardio three times a week and or if you want to do cardio every day okay cool but starting 45 minutes we're gonna go for like 20 minutes (laughs) so starting with that and also if the intensity is high i would reduce the intensity and be like let's just go for a walk outside if you need to you know, run, scream your head off. Let's just moderate that. So, so I, I try to meet a client with the rat, I try to find a happy medium from the training side of things right, because I do right. get the mental part of it. Like, I, like I'm like i a bit of a crackhead at the gym sometimes. I love doing like hardcore shit. Like yeah. it, it's fun yeah. and whatnot. So again, it's, it's happy medium, right? Like do, do indulge in the things you like a little bit when it comes to the gym, but then also give yourself the carrots and the meat of what you need from the gym too. So there's that side of it. Nutritionally speaking, yeah, it's just gradually increasing the calories and getting them to focus on focusing on other other biofeedback indicators. So one, the period coming back, if they're um, not perimenopausal, if they are perimenopausal, that's fine. We'll just look at the other biofeedback indicators. So like sleep quality is a huge one that improves. Libido Mm -hmm. is one that improves quite a bit. Energy, strength, joints, how your joints feel. Um, Also just like focus, mental clarity, that kind of thing. And uh, something else I wanted to actually mention before I forget with perimenopausal women, a huge mistake you can make is skipping breakfast. <laughs> it's a huge yeah. mistake because when you wake up, that's when your cortisol is already the highest in the morning. So we don't need to spike it up any higher necessarily. So it's just, especially like women who are perimenopausal, when they work out fasted, that's like the biggest thing. That's a huge bone that I have to pick that I have to start with. It's like, you don't have to eat a huge meal, just Mm -hmm. literally blend a banana with some protein. It's and like, it can be thin consistency if you want. So it's not too filling, but then that actually helps so much with the workout with the actual like having having the fuel to work out with that it really helps with the healthier cortisol curve essentially otherwise oh, cool. instead of it having the morning surge and starting to go down you yeah the morning surge spikes up a little bit higher before it starts to go a bit more down we want that gentle the gentle ski slope mm-hmm. is what we want for the cortisol curve but um anyway yeah so like i would just start with eating a bit more consistently like it would just start with an extra couple hundred calories for a week or two. Yeah. And then after another week or two, another couple extra hundred until we find a maintenance where the scale's not moving too much, staying right about there. And you're noticing your strength gains are coming up and other things you can look at. You can do like a, a waist measurement to help if the scale is not giving you all the data.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
1: if you're, if the pants are getting tighter, and then women freak out. I just had a conversation with a client okay. about this that I've been reverse yeah. dieting. She was like, the pants are getting tighter. I'm like, around the waist or the glutes? Just the glutes, not really the waist. So yeah. focus on things like that as well. I would say, I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, people like a lot of the conversation I have are kind of around that where it's like, well, I don't really eat that much. So that's not an issue. And I'm also training six to seven days a week. And like, that's like two red flags already for me, like off the bat. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I I think that would help like any listener, but it it gives me a little bit of clarity too. Cause that's kind of like exactly where I go as well. Like, all right, so let's bring cardio down. And if you still, like, like you said, like there's a medium between like meeting, like what they enjoy and what they like need to be doing. And it's like, all right, if you have to do cardio every day, let's bring intensity down and time down and just it's it's like you said in the beginning like uh with the withdrawal and deposits like you're taking so much money out like we've got to put money back in otherwise you're in the negative so it's the, kind of the same idea so yeah that was great um I had something else too for you oh so with with the um like the biometrics is that something that you include in your check-ins with everybody like um, clarity of, of their mind and energy, libido, like all those questions you have with your your, your weekly check-ins? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, it's, it's in my intake form, it's in my daily habits and it's in my check-ins. So it is kind of a bit of a clinical nursing mindset as well for me. So mm-hmm. This is like a nursing assessment kind of thing for how it works for me. But yeah, it's so like in the initial <clears throat> intake, there's like a symptom questionnaire that I have the clients fill out kind of thing um and then in the yeah it's in the daily habits where they just kind of mark from a scale of one to ten how's the energy how's the digestion how's the libido how's the concentration how's the performance at the gym um overall mood as well because like and then like there's an additional note section where I'm like you know knock yourself out elaborate a bit more that kind of thing Uh, digestion is a huge one for me as well when it comes from a hormone regulation standpoint and just from a ability to actually not it's not just about what you physically put in the tank but also if your body's actually able to properly absorb and you make use of those nutrients because if your digestion is not there and not working then well we're fucked so we need to work on that first otherwise otherwise just focusing on macros isn't gonna it so it's it's taking it case by case and yeah the symptoms are a huge one for me because there's so many uh to keep an eye out for and the scale is usually like the least interesting part of the check-in for me it's Mm -hmm. just one little piece the rest is how all the other biofeedback indicators are telling me
2: yeah no i think there's definitely something to be said about getting away from the actual scale and understand you know just how we're feeling throughout the day and all those other things that you just mentioned too. And I uh, kind of want to segue to the next topic is um, females. I think the the trend is exploding nowadays with TRT, like pellets and stuff like that, getting testosterone. What's uh, what's your take on that?
1: Sorry, on Are, females taking TRT? Do what? On females taking TRT? Or females taking TRT?
2: TRT, females specifically there's right. a there it's it's exploding here and i mean i think it's more of you know they get the libido boost they get the energy boost they get the muscle increase stuff like that but okay. i don't think they really have a true understanding of the detrimental impacts of hey let's make sure our hormones are in check first let's sure let's make sure all of our nutrition's dialed in all of your bio biofeedback indicators are doing well first and then let's see hey after that, if that's a intervention that we want to implement, then you can go see your endocrinologist or you can go see a physician who specializes in that. Well, that's definitely a yeah. big one. That's a, that's a big one in the States for sure, especially that in the Ozympic with the, uh, yeah. food, the food suppressing.
1: Honestly, all this, this is all literally in the same trend of I want to feel better now. I want to feel better mm-hmm. yesterday. Just give me a quick solution. That's literally all it is. So it's like, dot your I's, cross your T's. There are very few people who actually like need, need TRT. So like, Mm -hmm. if you are a man and you're an andropause, for example, right. Mm -hmm. Then for sure, like, and if, if you're doing like the, all the lifestyle habits you need to be doing and you're taking small, minute amounts and you're getting your blood work checked regularly. You're making Uh sure that your liver enzymes are looking okay because most of these people who take TRT and who use substances that they do not understand end up fucking up their livers, end up fucking up their kidneys. So it's like, okay, just check your kidney function, check your liver function. Might as well get a, like Dr. cross your T's with your blood work, like get that checked regularly. But for people who do not need it, it's, yeah, people can grab this shit on the street these days. And you know what, like it, it, I, I'm telling you right now, people are reducing your life spans sometimes yep. when they're doing this shit, like, because they're looking for a quick instant, well, like fix. Um. Yeah. So my, my thoughts are plainly, if you, if you have dotted your i's and crossed your t's and you are just not getting that healthy uptake of testosterone that you need do what you need to do with your physician Mm -hmm. or person that you're working with the hormone therapist in that regard but otherwise like Again, not to be a dick, but like, don't be lazy. Like, are you doing all the things you need to be doing? Like, there's so many things that affect your testosterone. So many things. Eating processed shit's going to reduce your testosterone. Not getting outside actually reduce your testosterone. Xenoestrogens, phytoestrogens. Xenoestrogens are environmental pollutants that actually increase your estrogen.
3: Phytoestrogens
1: yeah. coming from food. A lot of uh, soy products, um, GMOs, like that kind of thing. Like, when, as, soon, as soon as you actually address all those things first, your testosterone will naturally go up to the level that it needs to be at. We don't need to just introduce more. And the thing, is, another thing that's detrimental to doing this is the body is smart in terms of if you're introducing excess exogenous forms of a hormone that it makes at the endogenous level, it's going to make less of its own Mm -hmm. that it actually increases dependency on the exogenous form so you're kind of just fucking yourself up fucking yourself over anyways that's my opinion
2: (laughs) yeah no i like i like that a lot you know you you hit something too i wanted to touch on i think physiology kind of some of the research came out so the human body actually is able to live to like 120 years old nowadays No, it's just the it's just the stuff that we do that shortens our lifespan. Like all the uh, all the new medicine, like Western medicine, is just fucking driving that number down, 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 and down. So it's just it's no, I I I really love the holistic approach to a lot of things. Not just when it comes to fitness and industry, just with the holistic approach to just everyday, you know, natural habits. You know I mean? Let's not jump to the supplemental aspect of things. Let's not jump to, you know, medicine intervention right away. Let's understand, you know, what what's the symptom? What do we think is causing it? And see if we can address that on a more natural aspect of things. And then say, hey, if I can't get it undone, then let's go get intervention with medicine. You know, kind of like, like the Tylenol epidemic or like the aspirin, and ibuprofen, stuff like that. All those studies that are coming back. You know, ibuprofen is being directly linked to, what is it, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Alzheimer's. Oh shit. Yeah, like direct link, and they're and they're talking like 200 milligrams a week.
1: Yeah, I'll have, so. you'll have to send me this study. I'm curious
2: to have a look. Yeah, I is it like a
1: meta analysis?
2: I I think it's a study, and then there's another meta analysis. I'll have to shoot. I'll have to shoot you those over. But you know, there's it's just within the last two to three years that they're coming out with some of that stuff.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, no. In general, like, here's the thing: Western medicine does have a place. I'm uh-huh. not like there. Some some people take things to extreme. Only holistic. Only Western medicine. Like uh-huh. in my ideal, in my utopia, okay, we will just find the happy medium. Uh-huh. Like, can we just stop taking shit to the extremes? Let's just like I'm really trying to teach people. I'll be coming out with more content about this at some point. I'm just trying to find a way to word it so it's not too aggressively polarizing, but. I'm just I'm just trying to educate people on huh? understanding which, which practitioner, which specialist to see when kind of thing. So like a really great example, um, that I have to say is, uh, my mom, when she was in her thirties, she had breast cancer huh? and she, you know, of course, Western medicine, uh, gave her chemo, treated her with chemo after she had a mastectomy on one side, but um, there were of course side effects of the chemo so she managed to balance out the side effect of the chemo with a naturopath that she went to so like she developed uh a an infection as a result of the chemo but instead of needing antibiotics i forgot what supplement the naturopath gave her but it's, the naturopath gave her like a holistic or herbalistic supplement of, of some sort and it went away she's having troubles with constipation instead of taking shit from western medicine literally she just went and got her bowels massaged with the naturopath. Uh-huh. So just like she didn't need to take any other medication, nothing else to balance the side effects. So I just uh-huh. wanna educate people on which specialist, which practitioner to see when and where. And a huge population I find where this is an issue are people with IBS. Uh-huh. It's a huge issue where Western medicine is being overused and abused, where they're taking, like some people developed, develop IBS as a result of abusing Western medicine interventions and not going to the more holistic interventions yeah. and yeah. The, what's I, frustrating I can... for me oh. sorry um just so what's frustrating for me is when the specialists themselves don't seem to have the mindset of hey you actually might not need to use my services with this like mm-hmm. you come to a doctor for a pill to cover for symptom and mm-hmm. it's like you know what let's see if we can change some lifestyle interventions, or go see this person to help you with your lifestyle interventions. Go see, maybe the naturopath or the functional medicine doctor. If people could put away their egos, learn to stay in their lane and refer accordingly, that is what my ideal utopia looks like. Yeah,
2: I think that uh, that definitely would be the perfect scenario for sure. I know for me, at a younger age, I was diagnosed with IBS. And you know, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think it was just more the, uh, the food that I was intaking you know it wasn't really the whole food diet as a 20-year-old, you know, military guy. The amount of red bulls, the amount of like nicotine I was intaking, all that stuff, you know, got out, cleaned up. I haven't had fast food in fucking 10 years. Like my diet consists of like 95% whole food. I'll dabble a little bit with some snacks, like some treats here and there, but you know, I haven't had any sort of, you know, stomach pains, any sort of like bowel movement issues, anything like that that associates with IBS. But I think it's more you know, a lifestyle thing that it is an actual like fucking problem or an actual, you know, issue with the body.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Literally just getting down to the food. I've had a couple of health clients, um, like presenting with IBS symptoms Mm -hmm. and literally all we do to start is I, you know, experiment with having them like avoid a couple, uh, inflammatory foods like FODMAP foods but then in the meantime it's like okay let's get an electrodermal food intolerance test what i love about the electrodermal food intolerance test in comparison to a standard western medicine food allergy test is a You don't need to eat food that you are intolerant to in order to get the results that you're looking for. And B, it gives you a more full spectrum of the level of severity that which you are intolerant to a food, not just severely allergic, because all these micro inflammations can build up and then cause all these symptoms. So just doing that, getting them to like write and like start a food journal where they write out foods that have them feeling inflamed, have them feeling bloated, have them running to the bathroom within the first couple hours after eating a meal. Um, sorry, within about 30 minutes, to like the next few hours, depending on where it's at in your digestive tract. Um Just starting with that, as opposed to I've had clients where they've gone to Western medicine and the doctor just prescribes them like, immunosuppressive therapy mm-hmm. severe immunosuppressive therapy when they actually do not need to be taking it and then they're already as a result they're more prone to getting sick on top of already being more prone to being sick because their gut was already inflamed having mm-hmm. an inflamed gut predisposed to person to being sick and then on top of taking now the immunosuppressive medication it's mm-hmm. just this ongoing effect of dominoes yeah. and it just does not need to happen if you can solely look at what you're putting in the tank
2: yeah No, it's just, it's a vicious cycle when it comes to new proper nutrition and, you know, it's just trying to like on your end, you know, it's, it's definitely an uphill battle. I mean, we're looking at the peak of Mount Everest on the, we're on the bottom right now, trying to educate people and we're looking way up there. So it's definitely a, a big uphill battle just with everything. So, um, Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah,
2: one last thing. I always ask people this, what's your biggest gripe when it comes to the fitness industry? What's the what's the biggest thing? I just want you to fucking go, just hundred and ten percent ballistic. Just fucking get it out. Let's fucking hear it, Dev.
1: Well, I don't know. I feel like we kind of already touched on it, to be honest. Yeah, it's just looking for these quick and instant solutions. You know, hopping along the the quick and instant, the quick the latest fad when it comes mm. to the newest, coolest workout, weird program slash variation out there. Mm because what it does is is it does a couple of things so on the fitness side of things it kind of detracts from uh, having a person actually get good at the skill and the quality of the essential movements they need to be doing in the gym right and then from the food side of things again it's just like it detracts from them learning how to just adhere to a habit like do do we see a trend here guys like just The overall trend is get good at the essential movements you need to be doing at the gym Mm -hmm. for the sake of your overall bodily function, strength, use as a functional machine, and then on the other side of it, on the nutritional side of things, just Mm -hmm. again, looking for a quick solution. It detracts from learning how to be aware of how your body functions at the nutrition side and how your body moves on the fitness side. Mm -hmm. so it just there's no dialogue there there's no dialogue between the brain and the body and like on the fitness side of things like it's getting people how to 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 getting people to learn and understand how to be a lot more present and Mm -hmm. mindful with their body instead of that people are essentially the trend is people are mindlessly going through the motions Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm just gonna hit the gym because i need to hit the gym so i can look a certain way instead of Learning how to be like, hey, how does my body feel when I slightly change my position when I'm trying to figure out my squat? Like, how does my body feel when I actually have after you know working on these hip mobility exercises after uh, incorporating more stability uh, work at the beginning of my workout? How does that improve my split squats, my barbell squats, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, versus, I'm going to try out this boot camp this week. I'm going to try out this other boot camp this other week. Yeah. that kind of thing
2: those are like my biggest pet peeves biggest like essentially. Crisis. yeah I think yeah. I think the big I think a big thing too is you know it takes away the consistency of the entire journey yeah you're, you're gonna you're gonna try a, a four-week program they're sure. gonna jump over to a different program you don't you don't get you don't you're not able to get the skill and build on that skill like for me most of my clients are GP I have a couple of athletes I, mean, I have some older people you just keep doing stuff like that but you know they get really good at five to six different movements and then we send it to the fucking house once they're good at that and we're able to make a lot more progress in trying to teach them 15 16 different movements and you know the uh the runway four progressions are the one where for success goes 10 miles instead of you know two miles well so. yeah
1: yeah exactly like even for the athlete clients like it like that there's levels of athlete mm-hmm. for right? Sure. was talking with killian about this like uh like the 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 athlete that's like not being paid to do whatever sport kind of thing like they're just what makes a person an athlete is actually the ability to problem solve the ability to address hey why can't i get this movement down let's really work on this. So like, that's what he said to me. He was like, what makes you an athlete is because like, I've been working my ass off and figuring out how the fuck to play, do my place with my squat. And I finally Mm -hmm. found a really good sweet spot after addressing all my unique anatomical variations. I have longer femurs. My Mm -hmm. femoral head sits deeper into my acetabulum. As a result, my it, that affects my QL angle. So just like addressing how to that to find that good, like upper body to lower body, rhythm with that proper elevator down up movement Mm -hmm. finally hitting that spot after months literally months of driving myself crazy driving killian crazy and trying to figure that out that he was like that's what makes you an athlete is that ability to actually work and problem solve right versus the other level of athletes like the one that gets you know paid to do a fucking sport but like even then like there are always things that you need to learn how to do and I, and I sometimes worry about, like, oh, not worry. I was thinking the other day, you know, that the athletes who get paid to do their sport, like, I wonder if they actually do cover all their bases or they're only focusing on tunnel vision, just oh, I need to be good at this thing. So mm-hmm. once they retire from said sport, they probably still have other foundational work they can do after.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just my, my theory behind, you know, athletes, my training is not sport specific. My training is, I'm going to make you a better human functional yeah. across the board on a global approach not just specific training because that's for you know that's for the practices that's for the skill work is to get better at that sport but for me i want to make you a better human first and then get you ready in the off and then you can go get your practices and do all that jazz and get better at that specific skill
1: 100 so, percent, yeah, yeah. Like, get good at the quality of the movement you don't need to mm-hmm. mindlessly throw your body in a bunch of planes in movement (laughs) just for the sake of breaking a sweat that's literally what people are doing and I'm like yeah you people look look stupid Mm -hmm. I understand I respect that you're trying to move your body because movement's good for you but like can we just be mindful about what movements we're doing and why do you understand why we're doing this that kind of thing that's kind of also how I've changed some of my check-in questions with my clients too Mm -hmm. is can you give me the why why -hmm. we are doing this
2: Yeah, I'm a I'm a big five why guy. So when I write programs and I want to do, when I when I do anything, you know, I I like to be intentful with the stuff that I put in there, and I like to attach, you know, at least three to five why's. Why are we doing this first before and just blindly saying, Hey, I want you to go do a fucking goblet squat with hills elevated. I want to know why. Yeah. Why do I need to do that aspect of it for sure? So hell yeah, I've yeah. I've loved this podcast by the way. It's been really place. enlightening on, on our end, uh, for sure. You know, we we struggle a lot and you know, we we get success with it, but the the biggest constraint is what we talked about is you know, getting getting people to really understand and you know, on an intimate level what nutrition is and what that looks like, not just on a scale, but how to transfer that into your daily habits and what those feedbacks kind of need to look like. So
1: Yeah. And like, it's, it's a lack of education. Like, it's not like people Mm -hmm. don't want to take care of their bodies. It's not like people want to take, treat their bodies like shit. It's just empowering them with the knowledge. Knowledge is power. Teach them Mm -hmm. the things that they actually need to know. And like, what do I need to look out for to know that I'm doing the right things? Then that's actually going to compel a client in, in into actually taking care of their body long-term.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: Keeping it simple, you know? But yeah, AB, thank you guys for having us, me. And like, yeah. I really enjoy yeah. this. Yeah, take thank us home, buddy. Your
0: time. Thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, we'll have to get you on again. Yeah. And we'll fix the mic problem in the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%. You guys have had me anytime. Uh, I'd be totally down to come on again. Um, I so, love nerding out about this shit. I love educating yeah. people. I love kind of breaking through a lot of misconceptions that people are given that with the content that they consume. So clearing out that fog, too.
2: You got to tell our listeners how to uh, get in contact with you, you know, where to follow you, how to reach out to you for anything.
1: For sure. Um, I'm most active on my Instagram. Um, so that would be the best place to follow me. So my Instagram is dev.divinewellness. So dot underscore Wellness, is where to find me. uh, Shoot me a message anytime, and I'm usually relatively quick with my responses. Um, We can troubleshoot where we feel stuck mm-hmm. and get you going. Awesome, awesome.
2: Thank you, Dave. Yeah, Appreciate thank you. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, Bye. thanks, guys. Yeah, I'll see you in the labs for sure. Have a good day. Yeah. See you guys.
1: Bye. Bye.